Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. I think it's my turn now. If you would turn with us to uh, the Word of God this morning. I want to look today, my spirit, I can't seem to get away from Psalms 34. And uh, as, as I was praying this week, actually preparing for a different message, uh, the Lord just began to speak to me again out of Psalms 34, and I am so grateful that He knows what we need. Um, there, there are hurting hearts here today, there are broken hearts, there are troubled souls among us, and uh, there's not a person here that that doesn't have a problem, and, and I'm aware of that, and, and uh, I certainly wasn't making light of problems uh, as I was trying to obey God earlier. But you know what? God is good in my problems. He is good when everything is fine, but he is really good when I've got a problem. And I am so glad. I am so grateful that I have that kind of God. I want to challenge us today from the Word of God this morning. I'm going to preach from Psalms 34. If you'd stand with us, we'll read the Word of God. I want to begin at verse number 8. I'm just going to read through verse number 10. That'll be our text. This morning, so you pray the unction of God will have its way with us. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, I pray that you would move among us, challenging our hearts. I fear that each one of us, Father, have a ways to go. Help us, I pray. Help us to be honest, Lord, honest about our condition, honest about ourselves. That as we see ourselves in light of the mirror of your word, that we would recognize, Father, what you've done for us and what you've promised for us. We thank you for what you're going to do, and I'm asking for your Holy Spirit, to provide conviction, God, that the invitation will be effectual and that we all would be moved, God, to to get closer to you, to be what we need to be. Guide us now, but a mouthpiece, we yield ourselves as best we can, for we ask it, believing in Jesus' name, amen. There are three things here this morning I want us to to see clearly, um, I'm not going to say to you today that I have all of them figured out. Uh, what a foolish statement to uh, ever make in regards to having performed perfectly the will of God. We know the scripture that says that every day we come short. At least the Apostle Paul was willing to admit it. We come short of the glory of God. There's never a day that I don't have something to repent about. And uh, it always ought to be on our heart and a willingness of spirit that we recognize that we do fall short. We live in the flesh, and that certainly is a, is a, is a hard thing. And I, as far as I know, as long as you live, friend, as long as you're a human being, you're going to struggle in the flesh. The Bible said the flesh is weak, and we believe that, certainly know that to be true. You don't have to live very long to recognize the Spirit of God 
It's strong. The spirit is great. The spirit is strong, but the flesh is weak. But we find the apostle, or the psalmist David here, as he wrote to them, and we preached out of this same, uh, same chapter just a week or two ago, but uh, we find that he was rejoicing in God. And he was able, at least at this point in his life, he was able to rejoice in God. Now, what we know about King David, the psalmist, we, we know that, that he in particular had ups and downs, that there were times in his life that he despaired even to live. There were times when he didn't know what God was doing, and he couldn't see the light of day. And spiritually, those clouds had surrounded him in a darkness, and and we read in, in, in the Psalms about those times. He was honest enough to pin them for us to review. But oh, I find here that the psalmist was rejoicing in God. He had seen the victory in God. And I look into people's eyes sometimes and it seems like to some that there's no hope. That it won't get better. That it can't get better. That it's too dark. It's too great. There's too great an enemy against us. But may I say today that the greatest forces of evil in this world still cannot compare to our God. Oh, he's so much greater. May I remind us this morning that every demon of this world, that Satan himself, is but a created being. He is not God, never will be. His power is great in the world and the wickedness of it, but may I say it's only one angel that will bind him and cast him into, into hell one day. Aren't you glad? I'm glad, friend, that I'm, I'm on the winning side. <laughs> Amen. I'm not the winning side. He is the winning side. And oh, I'm so glad that he allows me to be just a part of this great thing. I want us to see this morning in these three verses uh, some simple actions that we need to really grab hold of. And, and uh, boy, I've struggled as I've, I read this again as the Lord touched my heart, my spirit on this this week and began to challenge me. I thought as I looked at the first one and, and it seemed the Spirit of God just spoke clearly to my mind and he said, you, oh, if you could just trust me. And you know what the response of the flesh is. You, you think, Lord, I do. <laughs> what are you talking about? I do trust you. There's nothing I don't trust you for. But oh, ain't he able to expose those, those vague comments and those proud conclusions in our heart. I want you to see three things this morning. They're clear in each one of these verses of text. I want you to see, number one, that blessed is the man that puts his trust in him. Elementary, isn't it? As we think about trusting God, we recognize the importance of it. We realize that faith, amen, is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And for children of God, we think as we sit here and, and we're, we're comforted in this good place, a place where the Spirit of God has been this morning, the, the unction of God has been around us, and the conviction of God even touching my soul. And I sure thank him for that. And we're reminded here that what the, what the, what the psalmist is trying to get them to see is that God is good. God is great.
prayed in every way he's able to handle what it is that they're going through. And he says here, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, recognizing that there has to be a participation. There has to be an action on my part and on your part. There has to be an involvement with me. It's not my works. Don't get me wrong. But, oh, if you ever come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, there'll be a hunger in your soul to do something for God. Oh, one of the clearest ways to recognize, biblically speaking, whether or not a soul has ever been born again is their works. Jesus himself said, you'll know them by the fruit that they bear. You see, I'm a fruit inspector. I'm not the judge of any man. Certainly can't see in anybody's heart, but I can sure see the fruit hanging from their trees. I can see what bears in their life. I can see what comes from their mouth and know that the word of God is not a liar when it says that good things can't come from sweet water or sweet source and a bitter uh, water can't come from a good source. May I say to you today, it's out of the treasure of one's heart that the mouth speaks. God was right, always is. We can't fool God. He knows the difference And here we find that in this first action, the psalmist would challenge them with as he said, you need to trust him. You need to trust him. And I thought to myself, well, Lord, I do trust you. And he began to open my eyes to many times in my life that I've said, Lord, are you sure about that? Is this really your will for me? Are these dark clouds and these heavy uh, these heavy burdens, are these hard times and these afflictions, are they really your will? And he began to remind me of the word of God and how that Joseph as a young man being touched by God's spirit and drawn into that relationship that we read about in the book of Genesis and then having been sold into slavery by his own brothers, left for dead as they uh, gave him up. And I think to myself that Joseph trusted God. And I challenged my heart and I said if my brothers or my brother and my sister was to have thrown me into a pit and say we don't want you around anymore, sold me off to some slave keeper and took me into, a, into the, uh, Egypt, I want you to know right now I'm not sure that I'd have been trusting God. I'd have been, I've been challenging God all the way. Surely this ain't your will for me. Surely this isn't what you want in my life. Listen, when it comes to trusting God, it's with the good and the bad. What he was saying was is that a man that'll trust him is blessed. Blessed. Here we see, we, we see Joseph as he was sold into slavery, still trusting God. Into Potiphar's house he went and then falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown into prison. There in the dungeon of the king's prison, he was still trusting God. Coming out of the prison... <laughs> having been left down there for years and forgotten, we, we see that he's still trusting God and ultimately God would bring him up out of that prison, set him at the right hand of Pharaoh and he would be the deliverer, a form, a picture of a savior. Amen. He would deliver them and God's people out of starvation. May I say today that blessed is the man that trusteth in him. 
You say, oh, pastor, I do trust in him. Do you really? Amen. We can test that. Amen. And God does test those things. He'll test and figure out whether we really believe him or not, whether we're following him, whether we're trusting in him. Listen, he challenged Abraham and said, take your only son to the mountain and offer him up for me. You'll find out if you trust God when he begins to ask you for those things. When he begins to challenge you to do things that simply don't fit within your framework and mindset of who God is and what God does. You see, the problem with you and I is that we've not yet comprehended fully this God that we're serving. I want you to know that my God takes me through dark places. And you know why he does that for my good? (laughs) I found that there ain't been a a trial I've ever faced that when I would trust in God, he would hold me every step of the way. Amen. When the world thought there ain't no way you can have a peace of heart in a circumstance like that, I want you to know he was with me. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. I want you to know you can trust him. Amen. You can't trust me. You can't trust him. We'll do the best we can, but we'll still let you down, brother. But I want you to know that I know one you can trust. He never fails. He is never late. He is always ready. But God, he is the one that you can trust in. Oh, taste and see. That's a challenge within itself. Right? Some of you spectators this morning concerning really trusting God. Now, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you some slack this morning if you just got saved, right? If you ain't been in this thing no more than six months or a year, you still learn, right? There's still some things that you ain't you ain't really grabbed hold of, and and Amen. I I, I don't believe God's God's condemning them that don't trust Him, but what he, what the psalmist is saying is, listen to me, blessed is the man that does trust Him. Amen. How many times in our life does a situation get out of control and you say, well, I better fix this. I better put my hands on this. I better put my brain to this. If something's going to happen, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to take charge here. I'm going to have, listen, every time that I gets in the way of him, there's a mess fixing to happen. I want you to know that blessed is the man that trusts in him. All I can challenge you this morning is taste and see. Right, you want you want to know whether this is true? You're gonna to have to figure. It, you're gonna to have to. You're gonna to have to try it. You're gonna have. You're gonna to have to put your hands on Him first and allow Him to be your light and your guide in this present world. What the psalmist would tell them, number one, in verse number eight, is he said, "Blessed is the man that trusts in Him." Now, I don't know anybody that won't have it easy. But you know what? Most people don't go to sleep in the storm. They go to sleep on the sunny sunny hillside. Amen. You leave a Christian alone, everything's good. Everything just goes going along just fine. Amen. Birds always singing, the sun's always shining. It won't be long before you're snoozing spiritually. Amen. You'll absolutely lose focus on who God is. Amen. You'll get so drowsy spiritually. The world will rock you to sleep. As a matter of fact, the devil wants to do that today. He wants to be in your life in a way that never compels you to seek God. But brother, when you find yourself in a storm, you're going to go looking for help. You're going to be calling on somebody to help you. May I say, blessed is the man that trusts him. I don't know anybody that would say, I don't want to be blessed. Anybody want to be that person today? Say, I don't want to be blessed. Not me. I don't want to be blessed. 
Why, if only a foolish person would say that. There's not a heart of hearts here that wouldn't say, you know what, I'd like every blessing God could give me. Let me say something to you. You're not going to get any of them until you trust God for them. Amen. I've not seen anything that God deals out. Now, he's certainly gracious and merciful, but I also want you to know, friend, that the true blessings of God come when we trust him. Abraham found that out. Joseph found it out. There ain't anybody through the word of God that you pick up and read about. Every one of them that trusted God, amen, they found out that he could deliver them. He could take them out of the the mouth of a bear and the mouth of a lion. He could take them out of a lion's den. He could be with them in a fiery furnace. It didn't matter what the situation is. Brother, if you've got my God, blessed is the man that trusts in him. Well, trust is a fragile thing, I think. Some days we're good at it and some days we're not. Sometimes it seems that all our heart wants to do is trust God. We see something coming and we recognize that we can't handle it and we just say, God, you're going to have to handle this. I can't do it. And all those times we see it, don't we? We see it when we ain't got no control, Melissa. I thought of you as I was thinking about this. Oh, that's when we have to trust him, you see. When we don't know the outcome and we know it could go either way and we don't know the will of God and we don't know his ultimate purpose, but what we do know is able to keep us and it's able to cause us to trust him. I want you to know, friend, that when it comes to trusting God, it's just like uh, if I was to close my eyes and keep a walking, here's what I know. If I had my eyes closed and I come to these steps and didn't know where they were, amen, I am going to have to trust that somebody is there to help me. Listen, if you're going to take a leap of faith, bless God, you better do it, knowing that somebody can help you. I want you to know that you can trust him. There's a a lot of old Christians in here today, and that's not an indictment. That's a blessing. There's, there's, There's people in here that have been following Jesus a long time. Let me ask you a question. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the old heads that have been following him for a long time. Any, anybody ever been disappointed from trusting him? Nobody? You know, personal testimony is awful dandy, right? I believe in personal testimonies, right? Because I ain't got nothing better to share than what he's done for me. Right, because I can't really tell everybody what he did for you, but I can tell you what he's done for me. And I know this much about the Lord. He's never failed me. Now, boy, I failed him a bunch, but he's never failed me. Every time that I've ever put my trust in him, he's come through. He's delivered me. He has made it good for me. Oh, bless his name. You know, we can take the scripture in Romans 8, 28, and we can quote that, and we can say that we believe that, and we can believe that, that everything works for the good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. But I'll tell you right now, that verse right there is undergirded by trust and faith in the very one to whom we believe, because there are times that we feel like we're hanging out over a precipice we have no idea what's under us and the Lord's telling us to step off that's when you find out if you really trust him you see we talk about oh I trust Jesus but when you can't see what's on the other side and he's saying I need you to step out for me and you don't know what it's going to cost you you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know, you don't know what he's doing. 
All you know is that the Spirit of God saying, won't you just step out for me? You know, that's a time, see, you got to say, Lord, I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to trust you. I don't know what's going to happen. As a matter of fact, heard the sister say it this morning, regardless of what happens, I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to trust you. <laughs> Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Blessed is the man that trusts him. Oh, if we could just trust him more. That's what the old hymn says, isn't it? He said, oh, for grace to trust him more. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Just in simple faith to plunge me neath his cleansing, healing word. Right? Oh, but help me to trust him more. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. But I want you to see number two, verse number nine. He said, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. Now, there's another action. The first one, he said, blessed is the man that trusts in him. But in, in verse number nine, he says, listen to me, saints of God. He says, you need to fear him. You need to fear God. Boy, they won't preach that anymore. But I'll tell you right now, I told somebody yesterday, I fear him. I, I can't help it. I don't know about you. I don't know who your God is, but I fear mine. And boy, it's a good fear too, right? It ain't, it ain't a... The Bible said, perfect love casteth out all fear. Those are two different kind of fears. The fear that we're referring to in, in the book of Psalms, the Bible said this, O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. I want you to catch this concept. This is a biblical principle, friend, that will set you free if you'll grab a hold of it. The fear that he's talking about here comes from a Hebrew word that simply means a, a reverence. To him, a reverence, a holy reverence. You realize that there ain't many people revere anything anymore, especially God, right? We, we've totally X'd him out of our public school system and, and, and every other public or government uh, uh, house or, or, or part of the world. And let me say to you, they don't want God there, right? Because then if God is there, they got to acknowledge he's real, Right? We don't want to acknowledge that God's real because if he's real, then we're accountable to him. And if we're accountable to him, it makes us sinners. And if we're sinners, we've got to repent. And we repent, we'll have to change. And I'll tell you right now, people don't want to change. Humans, the flesh don't want to change. But we find the psalmist David here saying, listen to me, saints of God, fear him. Fear God. Revere him. Recognize that it is God that holds your very breath. It is God to whom you, 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 you're in his hand. You're safe, but oh, may I say to you today, the Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Oh, we ought to have a reverence for God that constantly causes our heart to monitor itself. That, causes, that, that, that constantly brings our actions into examination. Everything we do and everything we say, every attitude that we have. Oh, saints of God, hear me. Fear the Lord. If you want any good thing, may I say to you, those that fear God, they won't lack of any good thing. Those things that are good, and I'm not speaking about the world's good. I'll tell you right now, if you think that having a million dollars is good, just ask the people that win the lottery about six months later. They find out it wasn't good for them. 
You say, preacher, if I, if I had a house that was about this size, it'd be good. But you know what? You give, you give people something that's, that, that's way bigger than what they can handle, and you know what? They, they begin to worship it other, rather than God. Say, well, if I just had this certain kind of vehicle, boy, that'd, be, that'd really be good. But you know what happens, Alfred? When they get that certain vehicle, they end up riding it around everywhere instead of coming to the house of God. Huh? You better fear God. I'll tell you right now, he gives and he takes away. Anybody know that? I know that. I sure am glad that he knows. Amen. Oh, Job said, he said, I came into the world naked and I'm going to leave naked. I've come to the conclusion, it really don't matter what you have down here unless as long as you have Jesus in your heart. Oh, fear the Lord, all ye his saints. I don't believe people fear God. Now, there's certainly exceptions to that. and Some of you are sitting in the room. Some of you are here this morning because you fear God, right? You love him, you trust him, but you also fear God. Amen. I actually believe that it's, that it's, that it's important that I be here. You say, why? Because the word of God says to fail not the assembling of yourselves together. And I didn't write it, he did. And you know what he said to me? He said, be here. He said, be here. You need to be here. You need to gather where the sheep are gathered. You need to be where I feed the flock. That's important. Amen. That's because he said it, not because I think it or believe it. May I say to you today, I actually fear God. I actually believe that there are reasons I am chastened, and it is when I am in violation of understanding his word and choosing not to do it. What about them attitudes that you have? You know it's wrong to lust. You know it's wrong to be jealous. You know it's wrong to be envious or covetous. You know it's wrong, amen, to be of that critical spirit and that complainer and that whiner. You know it's wrong, amen, to have all of these things that are contrary to the will of God, and yet you continue to do them. Let me tell you something. If you feared God, you'd clean up some of that. You know what he said? He said those that fear God... He says, there's no want of good thing. He said, the the good things that God gives, well, I believe he just pours it upon them that fear him. Now, you can say, well, I do fear God. I do fear God. But you know, the proof is, is is whether or not you find it in the actions. It's not necessarily in what we say. It's what we do. I fear God. And so I'm going, to, I'm going to check myself when I'm on my knees and I'm going to ask him, Lord, what about my attitude toward my neighbor? What about that anger that's been in there? What about that hurt feeling that I'm unwilling to go and, and, and seek restitution for? What about those things that, that keep me from you? What about those things that cause my mind to be separated from your presence? What about those things that offend the Holy Spirit and quench the Spirit of God? Lord, I'm going to fear you and allow you to examine me and bring me into a right condition. Listen, the psalmist understood this better than anybody. He understood that the chastening of God can and will come. And according to the New Testament, the Bible said that he will chasten those that are his. Now, I happen to still fear that. But I think it's warranted. I believe it's warranted. We find scripturally that there's time and time again that for disobedient behavior, God chastened his own. Right? And, and when you're talking about God, there ain't nothing he can't do. 
You say, well, I'm not so sure that that this one that you're talking about is, is really a God that, that implements or executes chastening. Listen, any Christian that's been here any amount of time, you've done learned that, that God's got his own woodshed. Right? And I've been behind it. Aren't you glad that we is behind it? I just soon you not know what he has chastised me over. Ain't that good? Ain't you glad God don't make a spectacle of your foolishness? And chasing you in front of everybody? Oh, that's what the psalmist said. He said, oh, fear the Lord, all ye his saints. Fear him. He said, for those that fear him. Won't want for any good thing. May I say to you today that the greatest blessing of life, number one, is being able to trust in God, just to trust him and know that he's right, he's good, and he's perfect. But I tell you right now, if there is if there is a, a, a good if there is reverence in your heart for God and His holiness and His righteousness, I'm talking about a fear that causes you to say, "Lord, what you want is what I want. What I am, I want you to change. And Lord, if you'll help me, I want to be more like you. Oh, fear the Lord, all ye His saints, for those that fear Him." They'll not want for any good thing. Listen, every good thing, I believe it's available to the children of God. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher. You got to know that. But I'll tell you right now, I'm blessed beyond measure. And listen to me, I ain't talking about stuff. I got a little stuff and I could go home and it all be gone. Huh? That's a truth. It could all be gone. I want you to know I got some good stuff. I got some stuff the devil can't touch. I'm able today, amen, to look at my grandchildren on the front seat of a church. I'll tell you right now, that's worth it more than anything I own. You say, is it really important to fear God? I believe so. I believe so. I believe it ought to motivate every thought you have, every action you commit. You ought to be thinking, does this please God or does this displease God? You remember that? It went on for a while, back about 20 years ago. They were wearing bracelets and necklaces, everything. What would Jesus do? That ain't a new concept, right? What we ought to do is measure everything we do, say, think, how we act, we ought to measure it by the word of God which is established forever in heaven and recognize that he is a just God, he is a faithful God and brother, he, he, will, he will judge us for sin. We ought to fear God. And to those that fear him, and the psalmist understood this, we're, we're ready to close. The psalmist understood this and he said, if you'll fear God, he said, there's no, there's no want to any good thing. What you'll experience is that, that your father, he'll bless you. And I'll tell you right now, when God starts blessing you, it's not necessarily with the things of this world. His stuff is far greater than that. Amen. Lastly, verse number 10, he said, the young lions do lack. 
And they suffer hunger. They do. I, I always felt sorry for the young lions. You watch them things on National Geographic, right? And them young, them young lions, them young males, they had a hard go of it. They did suffer. They did lack, right? They wouldn't let them eat. They was rough on them. He said the young lions do lack and suffer hunger. But he said, but. He said, but they that seek the Lord shall not want, shall not lack of any good thing. Oh, thank God. Amen, Steve. Thank you, Jesus. I'm telling you right now, he gives, he gives them three simple actions. Trust him, fear him, and seek him. How many of us truly seek God? Don't raise your hand. But how many of us truly in our heart of hearts, our greatest desire when we get up every day is him? How many of you thought when you wake up of a morning is about the Lord and not this world? The Bible said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said that those that would, would seek him, those that would seek him, amen, he was able to give them all that they want. There's nothing that he can't do. Those that seek the Lord. Oh, if we could just recognize the importance in that simple action of seeking God when there's so many things in this world to seek. What the psalmist is saying is seek him. Some of us today are seeking wealth. Some of us are seeking fame. Some of us are seeking a good name. Some of us are seeking all kinds of things that can be chased around on this planet and none of them will ultimately bring you joy. They'll not bring you peace. The psalmist is saying, listen, if you'll trust God, you'll be blessed. If you will fear God, that you, listen, he said you won't lack any good thing. And he said if you'll seek God, he said there's nothing that you will lack. If we'll seek God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things he said will be added unto you. I mean, no, that's true. All these other things will be added unto you. How come? Because you put your heart and your soul into seeking him first. He's number one. He's the first. He's the foremost. He's the priority. Listen, some of you are praying for another job. You're praying for a different job. You're praying for a different school or an opportunity or this or that. How many of you know that God knows exactly what you need? How many of you is willing to say, Lord, I don't even care where you send me what you do. I'm going to trust you that it's the right thing. I'm going to trust you, Father, that if what I'm doing or which way I'm heading, amen, that, that if it's bad for me, if it takes me away from your will, he's, I don't want it. I tell you right now, you can come to me and say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. I, I got this big job opportunity. Listen, I'll do the best I can to pray for you, but I'm not going to tell you what to do because I ain't, I'm not God. I can't tell you what to do, but I know the one that can because he knows whether or not that big job will take you away from him. Let me tell you something. If anything you're asking for would lead you away from God, I'll tell you right now, it ain't good for you, and I'll also say it ain't his will. Amen. 
Anything. If it leads you away from God, it ain't the will of God. I can tell you that much. You should have stayed away from that. If it leads you away from God, come get a soul. Trust him. Oh, that's easier said than done now. Trust him. With all of your heart, trust him. Stepping out on faith, trust him. Fear him in reverence and acknowledgement that he is holy and we are not. We are his. We are to be reverencing God in fear. Oh, this. I'm going to hush, but the Bible said that we're to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. Fear of what? He's holy. He's holy. And he expects me to be as well. Be ye holy, for he is holy. Fearing. And there's no want to them that fear him, but seeking. You know what? I, I, there ought to be a seeking of God. If ever there's been a time that the people of God ought to be seeking him with all of their heart. Seeking him at every opportunity. Seeking him in the morning and the noon and the night. Seeking him always. There ought to be a seeking in our heart. May I say to you today, if you're seeking Christ, you'll not ever lack for any good thing. For those that are on that path or on one that's filled with his presence, whether your, your days are long or short, whether they're, they're dark or full of sun, I can tell you this much, he's worth following. He's worth following. You won't get to the end of your life and say, boy, I regret I regret having lived so many years for Jesus. Nobody ever gets to that place. And I've heard him say, I regretted doing this. Or I regretted having not come to Jesus when I should have. I regret having, having lived this way or having treated these people like that. I regret. There's a lot of regrets that you can come to. it. But I'll tell you right now, if you live, if you live simply seeking Jesus Christ, you won't get to the end of your days and say, I regret having sought Jesus. No. Trust him. Fear him. Seek him. All those are easier said than done. Right? And every one of us, can, I mean, you're looking at the pastor now and you're just nodding your head and saying, yep, that's it, that's right. But the rubber's going to hit the road tomorrow morning when you wake up and you will either be a hypocrite or you'll be saying, God, I need help. I'm going to trust you. Because I fear you and I know you're holy. I'm going to seek you today, regardless of whatever else is done. And you know what? God's liable to test every one of us tomorrow to see whether we really grabbed today and believed it. We got it with a head, don't we? It's easy, Lisa, to say, I trust you, Lord. But the hard stuff's when, he, when you can't see that next step and he's saying, take it. I want you to take it. And everything in you is saying, no, don't take it. You're going to fall. You're going to make a fool of yourself. He knows how to find out. He knows how to, he knows how to check my heart to see if I really trust him, really fear him. 
and them really seeking him above everything else in this world. God knows. I'll give you a simple invitation this morning. If you're not where you need to be with, with him right now, would you trust him, fear him, and seek him enough to do business with God on this altar? That may be the first check of your real trust, your real fear, your real desire for Christ. It may be the Holy Spirit right now touching your heart saying you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to call on Him. I believe He's here. I believe He can help you. As we stand this morning, trust that you'll obey God. Listen, don't turn Him away.